What were you doing in the early 2000s? A time when Britney, Blockbuster, Napster, and Nokia ruled the world. Joe and Mel present the week that was 20 years ago. T-20, a podcast about not-so-ancient history. Week of 7 April 2002. T-20. The rest is history. Hello and welcome to T-Minus 20, the podcast about not-so-ancient history. The podcast as discussed briefly on ABC Radio. <laughs> sure. The yeah, podcast okay. with a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Right. Podcast with no ratings yet on Spotify. One five-star radio. <laughs> Thanks very much to our friend who did that for us. <laughs> appreciate it, Alex. Good on you, mate. Very much appreciated. This is the show where we look back 20 years at all that was happening in music, news, sport, tech, pop culture, everything that we love about the early 2000s. G'day, I'm Mel. Hello, Joe. And some of the things that we possibly hate about the early 2000s, if you don't mind me saying so. Hello, Mel. Yeah, agree. There are, particularly in the news, well, some yeah. things that I think we'd rather forget. Well, no, but good news, if, if they woke up one morning and put the, on the news and said, oh, it was a really good day today, no one would watch it. Yeah, I suppose. Exactly. Good for ratings, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. It hasn't really helped us very much. But anyway, we're going to keep doing it, so yeah. Hey, one five-star rating. All right, yeah, sorry. Thank you very much that one person. <laughs> this week, cloning is back on the agenda. We've got an attempted coup d'etat. Oh, a coup d'etat. How posh. Sounds very bosh, but it's not really. Yep. A pop star in space. Oh, great. And the return of a show that changed the radio industry as we know it today. Oh, yeah. I, this was a favourite show of mine as a youngster when I oh, thought I had some integrity. Yet for me, it, there was always a fear that I'd end up on it. Oh, really? I was always worried. I did end up on it once. <gasps> yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, it wasn't that bad, though. It was a bit embarrassing. Okay. They spelled my name wrong. They, and they attributed. Oh, that's unfortunate. They actually attributed what I said to somebody else as well, which I should have just left. So <laughs> to you be honest with you, didn't appear on it at all. Then, well, really, so. I didn't appear on it. I was heard on it. Yes. Oh. And it was embarrassing. Okay. Anyway, I do we'll, want to know more about. Yeah, this. we'll talk more about it later. <laughs> now you know you're old when you've become a meme, right? Yeah. Have you? What do you mean? Have you seen that meme that's been going around? It's been going around for a while now, actually. It's uh, me in my teens, this radio station is playing my jams. Right. Me in my 20s, this bar is playing my jams. Yeah. I reckon me in my 30s should be this cover band is playing my jams. Oh, right. Me in my 40s, yeah. this grocery store is playing my jams. Oh, no. I have become that. Really? I have become that person. So first up a little while ago, I was in Coles. Yeah. And ended up staying in there for way too long because a song by one Shanice popped up as I was traipsing through the aisles. Do you remember that song, I Love Your Smile by Shanice? I think so. There's so many songs that I just see doing the rounds uh, in the supermarkets and stuff like that. It's probably more of a 90s song. Hang on a second. Let me see if I can track it down. Just bear with me for a moment. I'm keen to see if I can actually dig this. Uh, Yeah, I think it was 90s. So it's not early 2000s, a little bit older. Yeah, right. Hang on. So early 2000s, was it? No, it was 90s, not early 2000s. And it had whistling in it as well. Is it it just just per chance, is it this one? 
had the whistling. That came on in Coles. I was in, I was in the stationery aisle. I was looking for a card, but the stationery aisle also happened because I'm thinking, oh, I've become the meme. I better like film myself in Coles. That's kind of nice. Listening to Shanice, I love your smile. But if you're going to buy a card for someone, then. Hallmark. That's kind of sweet, isn't it? Beautiful. It's a Hallmark well, song. It was also the contraception on it. Oh. And there were some teenage boys in there sort of, you know, <laughs> wanting oh, to make a right. purchase. So I thought, look, not appropriate for me to film myself while uh-huh. that's going on. Anyway, but I did stay in there for longer than I should to, to hear Shanice. Can out. I just say it's never appropriate to film yourself in the supermarket? Oh, really? No. Not even so. if you become a meme? <sighs> I think it is appropriate. I don't know. I just I don't get this generation with their filming in public places <sighs> thing. Well, it was probably for the best. I didn't. Yeah. But then I'm driving along. Yeah. I get overtaken by someone in a fancy car with uh. personalised plates. Guess what the plates were? Same day. What? Shanice. Oh, Shanice. Can oh. you believe that? I got Can overtaken we- by Shanice after hearing Shanice in Coles. What an amazing coinkadink. Well, I thought it was anyway. <laughs> and then my mate Rach, I'd told her this Shanice story. Yeah. She went out and I think she might have also been into Coles. Uh-huh. Also heard Shanice. So really? there was like three Shanices in, in the space one, of about 48 a hours. A trifecta of Shanices. The holy trinity of Shana- <laughs> Shanice I. I don't know. What's the plural of Shanice? Shanices. Shanices. Yeah, yeah. okay. That's, yeah. that's boring. Anyway, <laughs> so then I'm in Woolies the other day. Yeah. Do you remember the Aussie band Madison? Um, I think it was I think it was a few girls. It's kind of a girl band called Madison. We did a thing where we took a bunch of listeners to Wonderland. Oh, R.I.P. Yes. Wonderland. I do remember because I think I was at that excursion. Oh, another one where you come along and then you just nick off to no, the bar. No, I actually was responsible at that one and then I Oh, good. Yeah, that was my first one. Did you then, go on the pirate ship? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I do I miss Wonderland. I did. And I, the the only thing I remember about Madison is that their name wasn't spelled the way I thought it was. Not like Madison Avenue. It was Madison. No. Yeah. As in, yeah, the sun in the Which sky. Which I feel like that would be the Bogan spelling. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, so I'm in Woolies. Yeah. Madison comes on. Oh. So don't you worry. So good. I forgot how good this song was. Do you reckon they ramped up? Love it. Was that more on a higher rotation during the pandemic after they ran out of toilet paper? Because I just feel like if I went into an aisle that oh, was empty. Oh, they're trying to chill everybody. That <laughs> was empty and there was no toilet paper in there and I, I had none at home and they started playing Don't You Worry, I'd be like, you guys, you, you don't understand. I'm extremely worried. Like, And I'm not sure if I am if I love my freedom as it currently stands in my life right now. Yeah. I did spend way too long in the fruit and veg section just to hear that song out. I thought, gosh, I miss that. Well, there's less to worry about in the fruit and veg section. <laughs> Love that song. Came home, got Siri to put it on. But what I discovered also as I was walking through Woolies, an yeah. ad comes on. Uh-huh. You can listen to all these great songs on Woolworths Radio. <laughs> can you believe that? You are past your can prime. Can you believe that? Oh my, yeah, Head over to iHeartRadio. They are playing the Woolworths Mix Live. <laughs> 
and I am there for it. Oh, God. <laughs> it's so bad because I, it, it's, it's not. It's amazing. I don't know. Madison, Shanice, it's all there. On Woolworths Radio. Woolworths Radio it's, on iHeartRadio. Get to, amongst it. You don't need to go to the clubs anymore. <laughs> I don't. And I know what all the bargains are for the week as well. Oh, God. <laughs> I just, I used to work in a supermarket when I was. God, 15 and what nine months play- as soon as I could get a job. What was the playlist like back they, then? They actually had the radio on, which I think is probably highly illegal these days. Yeah, So they? I used to hear the John Law's morning show, and we'll talk more about him Ooh, a bit later on. Yeah. And then the song that they just played to death at the time was uh, Jenny Morris, Breaking the Weather. She's got to be there. Oh, Breaking the Weather. Yeah. And I just, I, it drove me insane. <laughs> I don't know if it was called Breaking the Weather or Very First Time or whatever it was. But I know it, which one you mean, yeah. Yeah, and I came to, to just break, absolutely loathe that song and I'm not playing that one. For the very first time. But I always find that I'm in Woolies hearing Boney M, Daddy Cool. Or really? Yeah, it's bizarre. Daddy Cool every you time must I'm be in there. there. <laughs> They're at a different point in the day. I think they do it especially for <laughs> you me. You must be they, going in there at, at seniors o'clock I just think I'm a. They just think I'm a cool dad. They're like, here he comes, quick, put daddy cool on. <laughs> I think they should be playing Don't You Worry just quietly. <laughs> well, like I said, I'm not I'm not picking up what they're putting down with Don't You Worry. I've been to the toilet paper aisle in, in, <laughs> in tough times and what happens in tough times? As soon as tough times hit, everybody buys toilet paper. I don't understand it. I never yeah. will. Yeah. Well, not sure if you need to be worried about this. Certainly haven't in the past because because still on your winning streak. Oh, yeah. Early 2000s movies. Each week we play a grab for everyone at home to see if they know what it is. I am starting to worry. Play it to you at the end of the show to see if you know what it is. I just think I I actually am starting to feel, because I've been very confident. You have been. Look, rightly so. There's a few where I thought there's no way he's getting this. I've just watched a lot of really bad movies, but I feel like now (laughs) I feel like my time has is up. I feel like something something bad is going to happen, and I'm not going to be able to get one. Well, we are in April. We should say we're we're talking the week of the seventh through the thirteenth of April. Oh, we didn't we even probably do that. mention that. So professional. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So we are we are in April. It's been a while. Yeah. I don't know. Is your streak going to be over? Take your headphones off and press that button. All right. I love it when you tell me to take things off. Here we go. <laughs> I have something to say to you. Please. I love you. Lee, you should not be here. I love you. All right, so is that it? Yes, that's it. You okay. put your headphones back cool. on. Cool. Oops, I bumped things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, anything to kind of inspire me or get, get me going? Not at this point, no. Really? If you're struggling, I may give you a clue. I'm not oh. going to give you anything just yet. All right, cool. You, you may get it straight away. You've All been right. pretty quick. So don't you worry. <laughs> Maybe. (laughs) You're doing fine. All right. Let's do entertainment straight out the gate. Okay. But full disclosure, this week, the 7th of April? Yeah. Not so entertaining. Oh, good. Excellent. Great. Flying start. Don't really have too much uh, to share with you here because Panic Room still number one, the US box office. Yeah. Pulling eighteen million, and number one still in Australia, Ice Age two point five million this particular week twenty years ago. Yeah, well, you know, parents helicopter parenting, sending kids to the films, to the films, to the films, to go and watch a film. 
God, all of a sudden I became 80. Yeah, how's that intermission, huh? Oh, they need to bring that back, yeah, can actually, I just say. Yeah, intermission was pretty good. Bit of a side note. I went and saw the Batman movie a couple of weeks ago. Is that like the Facebook? It was great. No, it's called The Batman. That okay. Just that That's sounds the wrong. title. The Batman. The Batman, not mm. a Batman, not any. It's the Batman. Okay, Much sure. like it's the podcast about not so ancient history. Okay, fair enough. Um, three hours. Three hours in a cinema. You need an intermission. Is it me? Like, movies are just getting longer and longer these days. When they started being two hours, I thought that was stupid. Well, two hours hours is average. Yeah, but back in the day, it was more an hour and a half. Two hours was rare. A good comedy is a solid 90 minutes. Yeah. But movies these days, easy, two hours. Mm. The Batman, three hours. And don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it, but you can't be drinking those supersized Cokes. <laughs> no. Your back teeth are floating by the end of it. And your popcorn runs out. Yeah. Well, it's it's good that you don't run out of popcorn before you run out of Coke. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like you need to have the Coke after you. After you is that, did I get that in the right order? You don't run out of the popcorn before you run out of the Coke. No, you run out of the popcorn before you run out of the Coke. That's what I'm trying to say. Because if you if you run out of the popcorn, if you run out of the Coke, oh, forget it. What are we talking about? <laughs> well, Ice Age yeah. overall grossed $176 million. Uh-huh. It was shown in over 3,300 theatres. That's Pretty big bickies. huge. Yeah. Do you reckon it was the highest grossing Ice Age movie though? Oh, maybe not. I don't know. I would have thought the original would have been, but no, Ice Age 3 actually made the most cash, $196.5 million. That's not bad. They must have had, like, Happy Meal toys or something supplementing that, I reckon. But they still have Ice Age Happy Meal toys. Do they? Geez, I hate Happy Meal toys, though. (laughs) Oh, they're freaking garbage. They are. They're just stupid. Junk, waste of time. And it, I think it's testament to how bad a parent you are as to how many Happy Meal toys that you've <laughs> accumulated over yeah, the years. Yeah, that's right. And then you've got to kind of sneak them out of the house when the kid's not They're looking. They're all trash. Just They're junk. just garbage. <laughs> so bad. Anyway, Ice Age, great movie. Made a lot of cash, but, yep. you know, still number one, so we don't really have a lot to talk about. But we do have one thing in TV to talk about. Right. So on the 8th of April 2002, Australian media analysis television program Media Watch returns to air on the ABC. I love this show. I think it's a great show. I'm so happy that it's still going. I, 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 why did it get taken off the air? I think it generated a lot of controversy. So yeah. it exposed a lot of stuff happening in the media. Right. The controversy led to the temporary cancellation of the show. I think it was around 2000. Paul Barry was yeah. um, the, the host, was controversially He hosted Today sacked. Tonight for a while as well, Paul Barry. Oh, really? Oh, I thought he had more integrity than that. He actually does. He's still hosting Media Watch now to this so day. So he's come back. Yeah. yeah. So he yeah. was, I think he was sacked. And then in 2001, the program itself was axed by uh, Jonathan Shear, who was the head of the ABC at the time. Right. However, in early 2002, Jonathan himself was sacked in similarly controversial circumstances. Oh, there's always controversy in the media so around So then sackings. the show returned with David Marr as the new host right. this week, 20 years ago. Okay. But the reason why, was this because of all of this cash for comments stuff that was happening at the time? 
they were the ones that broke it and it was in 1999. So I'm going to say possibly had something to do with the controversy. Yeah, so this was, this was the, the reporter Richard Ackland, I believe, took basically the number one radio host in the country mm-hmm. at the time, mm-hmm. John Laws, to task over the way he was talking about the banks mm. because he went after the banks, John Laws. He did for a while, didn't he? Yeah, and then all of a sudden changed his tune, which yeah. is quite odd. Yeah, here's what Ackland had to say about it. Let's forget all the fudging. In the middle of a concerted campaign against the banks by the most widely listened to broadcaster in the country, his agents approached the ABA for a deal and the drubbing stops. One proposal added up to $1.2 million, and the other to $1.5 million. No doubt your friendly bank is in there pumping your hard-paid bank fees into the trousers of the mighty tonsils and his radio station. Now, there's a little bit more to it than his the, smug narrative. The mighty tonsils. The mighty Woo! tonsils of John Laws. They are mighty tonsils, I used golden to, tonsils. I used to have to record uh, an, uh, when I was working back in the day in the carting department. When you go through the radio oh, business, yes. you start out in the little broom cupboard Cart studio boy. out the back. Mm-hmm. And you have to do all sorts of tasks like basically dub abs. At, dub abs? That'd be great. <laughs> Dub abdominals. Can you dub some abs on me, please? Yeah, I'd like to dub some abs on myself. I've only got one at the moment. It's quite large. Uh, dub ads onto carts. Cartridges. Did you get to use the bulk eraser? Yeah, I did. I loved that thing until I used it while I was wearing a watch. I broke three watches on the bulk eraser. <laughs> it's just like a massive magnet that yeah. just yeah, no, erased all the cassette tapes, wasn't it? You just get these wicked it? headaches, like really bad headaches. Let's go play with the bulk eraser. Bulk eraser no, cuts. Um, bad idea. <laughs> anyway, and I, I had to record Lawsy doing ad reads. Oh. And during it, like everyone across the country would be there. And so Lawsy had come down the line from the studio so you'd in get Sydney. you to actually talk to him I, like live? Would no. He, would he you say didn't any get words? to talk to him. Oh. I would never talk to him. I'd never spoke to him. <laughs> Do not speak. Do not speak. To Golden Tonsils. No. <laughs> but one day. Somebody forgot to press record <gasps> and Lawsy had to read something again. Was it you that forgot to press no, record? No, it was not. Was but it the bulk eraser? Lawsy had a bit of a tanty <gasps> and he dropped a few choice oh. F-bombs and I wish I had have kept the recording of that. But I feel like he got in enough trouble on MediaWatch anyway. That could anyway. have ended like, up on MediaWatch like, so, as well. So in spite of all of those comments from, from Ackland there, they actually had a smoking gun. They found... Uh, copies of the deal or, or, or transcripts of yeah, right. whatever there was, they found stuff. And if you go back, you can the, the Media Watch reports are still available online. You can watch them. Uh, and they found the smoking gun. So Laws was swearing black and blue that the banks approached him live on air. So what happened was, is he was going after the banks, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, one day yeah. on his show, mm. one of the guys from the ABA, the Australian Banking Association, calls up and he's like, "Hey, Lawsy, there's people that were, you know, we." We just want to take you to task on a little bit of this. We're going to call you out and, you know, talk about mm. how, how the banks give you the other side of the story. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, oh, well, they kind of turned me around a little bit. And anyway, all of that, he's like, they approached me on air. 
all of that was BS. It was all set ah, up. So there was some deals happening in the background. Because the, the, the whole thing with Cash for Comment is that it's basically paid advertising. So he's being paid to spruik a product. It's, it's an infomercial. But he's presenting it in such a way to the audience that they think it's commentary. There's nothing there to say that that's an ad. So for anyone listening, you think that this is part of his show. This is what he believes. This is the, the normal commentary. So was, that was the big issue with it. Completely misleading. Like it's, think, it's fake news, right? Yeah, and I think it was more than just the banks. I think there was Qantas, Optus, Foxtel. Yeah, yeah. There was a whole bunch. It wasn't just one. And yeah. I think that's why it was such a big problem. Well, I mean, the argument, of course, is that it's a commercial radio station and obviously commercial radio stations are affiliated with their sponsors and so they think that they have a right to do that and they mm. might, but mm-hmm. the quest it comes into question when they start being deceptive and not actually yeah. saying that it's a paid promotion. And that's why you see Correct. things now where they're paid promotions. And a similar thing has happened on social media these days where they ah. talk about hashtag sponsored, whether it's sponsored mm. or whether it's a, a news website that is based in a particular country and mm. has certain leanings because of that country, ah. like all of that sort of stuff. So cash for comment was, I guess, something that kind of paved the way for some of this stuff. Mm. Because and, and it's it was kind of the wild west, and it slowly started to get regulated. And I mean, John Laws was a law unto himself. But his argument also was that he's not a journo; he's an entertainer. So he said that that kind of didn't apply to him because yeah. of the nature of his job. But I call BS on that because he's running a show that is like a talkback show mm. that essentially even at its lowest common denominator level, mm. could be branded as current affairs. And news and current affairs go hand in hand. Bogan news. You know what? I don't mind a bit of talkback radio, to be honest. <laughs> really? I do like whacking it on and listening to some of the callers coming through just for a little bit of recreational outrage, right? Oh, yeah. You know, if, <laughs> if I'm having a dull morning and I need to fire myself up for whatever reason, I'll put that on just to, you know, just to spice things up a little bit. Just want to hear what some of the far right are saying sometimes. What are you guys thinking? Yeah, Yeah. this is outrageous. I'm such a wowser. Um, But it did lead to a big inquiry by the Australian Broadcasting Authority, this whole cash for comment deal. Um, and they f- they estimated the value of these arrangements that they had because it was Lawsy and Alan Jones, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, otherwise, uh, what did they call Alan Jones on um, that show, How Green Was My Cactus? Oh. Genghis Pork Bun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Poor Alan so, Jones. Oh, boo, Alan Jones. I can't stand him. He's a pig. <laughs> That is what he sounds like. Oh, he's they, horrible. They estimated those arrangements at around $18 million. Yeah. And they found that the radio station they worked at, was it 2UE? They'd mm-hmm. committed 90 breaches of the industry code of practice. That's outrageous. And five breaches of their license conditions. And 2UE yeah. ended up being fined $360,000. Oh, that's chicken feed to com- yeah. compared to how much they're making. But then- I think it was then intervened with the Communications Law Centre. They jumped in and intervened, saying that, no, a harsher penalty needs to happen, and it went to the federal court. Oh, I was going to say, they they could have sentenced, like, Alan Jones to death. No, don't say that. (laughs) Don't say that. Oh, come on. He said way worse. (laughs) 
Anyway, it led to major changes in the radio industry, which I do remember because, you know, I came into radio at around this time. So there was a lot of stuff around making sure you're disclosing relationships. If you're if you're doing, you know, if you're doing a giveaway, for example, for a particular business and they've given you a prize to give away, you had to be really clear about all of that sort of stuff. Yep. Things like live reads had yep. to be clear that it was advertising or advertorial. Yep. Um, so you did see a bit of a shake-up of the radio industry following that whole scandal. Uh, that's what brought me undone. I never disclosed my relationship with you. <laughs> <laughs> So before we move on to the next segment, mm. I, I I need to. I was on Media Watch. Really, that was my biggest fear. Yeah, because it's obviously critiquing things. Yeah, that I are almost for, in I the almost media. forgot to tell it so after we spoke about it at the start. Yeah, of the show. so it's yeah. kind of like yeah, people doing the wrong thing or people saying dumb things and getting things wrong. So I was always scared that I'd say something stupid and end up on there. Yeah, it was one of my biggest fears. I. I is that what you did? Well, I didn't say anything stupid, but there was this journalist in, I think, the Sydney Morning Herald called Sir Paddy McGuinness who won an Order of Australia medal. Oh. He was uh, – and he was a great journalist. He was very well respected by his yeah. peers. And he wrote an article about Canberra where he called it uh, – I can't remember the gist of the article. Something about really poor town planning, which he, he oh. actually had quite a valid point It was on. off the back of the bushfires, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, I think so. I so Canberra was a bit wounded at the time and he mm. called it a disenfranchised socialist utopia, and of course we, were, I, I like, I was too young and stupid to even know half of what he meant when he was saying that. Mm-hmm. And it was like we're going to call him and take him to task. Oh. So we go through the media guide. You know that you, know, you used to get that big blue book, Margaret G's media guide. Margaret G's She's media my guide. dad's cousin. Oh, really? Yes. How many degrees of separation? Two. Yes. Yeah. So it's a handy book. Yeah, it was very, it's very famous handy at the book. time. So yeah. so we look up his number and mm. we ring him in the morning really early. <laughs> well, he shouldn't have put his number in there if he didn't want a phone call, should he? And we take him to task mm. and I start going off at him and then he hangs up on me and we put it to air. I remember hearing this yeah. because I had come home from being down the coast when the bushfires happened. So it was a few days after the bushfires and my parents were still at the coast. I was on their roof pulling leaves out of the gutter because yeah. there was a risk that it was going to flare up again. Yeah. I remember hearing you. It was you you did so well. And no, it was it was really passionate. No. I remember listening to it and thinking, "Go, son." Oh, it's a bit embarrassing. I mean, I'm no <laughs> journalist, uh, but but so it ends up getting onto Media Watch that week, oh. and they they attribute my words to someone else, and I'm like. That's fine. A completely made up name, or <laughs> no? Another one of the one of the co-hosts oh, of the show. Oh, okay. Uh, and so they Someone's taking credit for your work. It to that guy, and I'm like, sweet, like let it, you know. He can and have then, it. but then they're like, oh, we. And then the the our radio station at the time contacted them and asked for a correction, so they did a correction, and I was <gasps> oh, just like, oh, you were Ugh. a correction, no Ugh. way, no yeah. way. Did they do the correction? It was a highlight of my career. Yeah, they did. They did. But no, they did the correction on the website. Okay. And it's still, I I think you might be able to, don't look it up. It's just so embarrassing. (laughs) Well, now you've said it, everyone's going to. I just, there's so many moments that I'm not proud of from my radio career. And that's what This is what I'm saying. So many of those moments could have ended up on a show like that if they actually cared about 
provincial radio. <laughs> oh, it just it's just hot garbage. It was a dumpster fire. Anyway, that's so I ended up on there and that was my 10 seconds of fame That's on that's pretty like. impressive because you yeah, you weren't on there for cash for comment or doing something I just, dumb. No, I didn't so do anything that dumb. I wasn't like, "Hey, I've got I wish I got paid that much money by the banks to talk them up. I would have done it in a heartbeat." <laughs> but like, yeah. I just I don't know. It's I guess I can say you know, that I was, but uh, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a black mark, but I've got bigger black marks than that, so I'm not too worried. <laughs> oh, it's a real page turner. <laughs> Can't put it down. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, okay, let's talk about books. Yes, heading over to the New York Times bestseller list right. for this week, 20 years ago, back in April 2002. Everything's Eventual was number one on the NY Times bestseller list. Yeah. Uh, it's a collection of 11 short stories and three novellas by American writer Stephen King. Oh, so this is, I, I feel like this is just a compilation of stuff that might have been on his cutting room floor. Yeah, and then they just put the name hits. Stephen King in front of it and it's like, oh, it's going to sell. I think a lot of the stories originally appeared in The New Yorker. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they, they did kind of repurpose. Uh, stories in the book included Autopsy Room 4. Oh, it sounds very grim. The Man in the Black Suit. Even grimmer. The Death of Jack Hamilton. That, I wonder what that's about. In the Death Room. <laughs> 1408 or 1408, not sure how you is pronounce that, that one. Is that that TV? Usher TV? album? Uh, no. I don't know. Anyway, yes. 1807, anyway. Um, and writing the bullet. So really upbeat comedy stories, clearly. Oh, well, he's not a comedy author. He's a horror author and yeah. a thriller author, so that doesn't surprise me. I do kind of like the short stories, though, because I find his books are way too long for me. Well, 1408 got made into a movie. Oh, right. That I think, and I think it's the, it's about someone who was debunking paranormal stuff. It was a Samuel L. Jackson film, I oh. believe. It had John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson in it. And it was about this is like room in the hotel, room 1408. Right? Should have found the trailer for you. Couldn't have been bothered. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, you know, genuine terror. John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson, no slouch. Potentially a good Stephen King movie. Nah, kind of average, really, if we're, if we're being honest. But, you know. Oh, well, no, actually, that's not fair. 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. Six point hmm. eight well, out of ten. Each of fat farty words, then. Oh well, maybe. I mean, <laughs> it's got, you know, movies got to set your world on fire these days for yeah. them to be any good. But yeah, it was okay, and good on you, Stephen. Nice book, mate. <laughs> Happy birthday to for the tenth of April, mm-hmm. Mandy Moore. <laughs> Love, 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 love that song. Really? Yes. Whatever happened to Mandy Moore? Mandy Moore. The video clip to that song, that's of course Candy by Mandy. She was so clean cut. Candy by Mandy. Yeah. That only peaked at number 41 on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, really? I would have thought that would have been top 10 for sure. Well, you thought wrong. I did. Do you remember the video clip? She was wearing a Sony Discman. She was wearing it like a side sash. 
How it's do you? Very cool. I was going to say, hopefully, I thought she it's was like quite this. clean cut. Hopefully, she'd have more on than a Sony Discman. No, no, she had a like a tank top and low rise jeans, and she and, and she was she wearing like her Discman, and she had headphones, what, like a satchel. Yeah, it's yeah, like a okay. satchel Discman. Yeah, and she was driving. It was oh, it was a green V Dub convertible. Remember the yeah. remember the V Dubs that came out. In the early 2000s, oh, the, the redone with ones. the sunflower the, on the dashboard. Yeah, how stupid was that? Yeah, had the vase. It was yeah. very dumb. What'd but you do that for? at the time, so cool. We are not so Nazis. Cool. We did not make it. <laughs> Here, here's a sunflower. <laughs> anyway, that was that was from her album, So Real, yeah. which went platinum. Um, she also had a single called I Want to Be With You, which was in the top 30. Right. And then you're asking whatever happened to her. She made her feature film debut um, in, I think she did a voice role in Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, blah, blah. Number two. Like, um, Princess Diaries. Yep. And then that, that big oh, one. Oh, the one that the you watched. One, a Walk to Remember. Your fave. Yes. Yeah, real tearjerker. Um, Racing Stripes, Because I Said So, Licensed to Wed. This one, which oh, we watched last year, was it, or the year oh, before? she was in that. 47 Metres The down. shark movie. That actually wasn't too bad. Oh, it was crap. No, it wasn't it too was bad. Terrible. It wasn't too bad. And I think you have to stick with it to the end and I then you go, oh, you know what? That's all right. Couldn't wait to see Mandy no. Moore get eaten by a shark. No, that was all right. I didn't mind that. <laughs> really? Um, and she also voiced Princess Rapunzel in the Disney fantasy uh, film Tangled. Remember oh, that one? Oh, Tangled was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More recently, from um, 2016 to 2022, she starred as Rebecca Pearson in the NBC drama This Is Us. Yeah. She's done pretty well with her performance in that. She was nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress and won a few Screen Actors Guild Awards as well. Oh. So go, Mandy. A couple of sad. So that's what she's been up to since Candy. Candy. Lots of stuff. Not so much candy for Mandy, but I mean, she's getting old like the rest of us. So how appropriate that she won a SAG award. (laughs) Harsh. Very harsh. Look, it might be, yeah, it is harsh. But I mean, if anyone's an expert on SAG, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) I've experienced a lot of it in my older age, especially around my face. Like the other day, it wasn't the other day. Do you remember a couple of months ago when I accidentally got a bit too crazy with the beard trimmer? <laughs> that happens every time you use it and then you end up taking off a little bit more. It's like when I used to cut my fringe in the 80s. It's yeah. crooked and then you just keep taking more and more off and you end up with no fringe but basically. I, I, but you like, do that with your facial Well, hair. I went way too, way too t- close. Yeah, to, you looked naked. Yeah, and I had jowls. Did you? I didn't yeah, I never realised I had jowls. Well, maybe you shouldn't be mean to Mandy's bits. I'm not. I'm just. It's just. I'm just being real. It's just real talk. <laughs> Hashtag real talk. <laughs> uh, so this is the hatch, batch, and dispatch segment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I need to put some more work on the production for that. I think you do. Okay. Yeah. I'll try. Yeah. I'll try harder. Maybe next week. Yeah. So this week, no deaths, which is good. Well, That's no celebrity. Good. No celebrity deaths. I'm sure. Someone probably died this week in 2002. But no celebrity no celebrity deaths. Way um, to bring it back down. We, Good on you. Hashtag real talk. Um, <laughs> we had a wedding on the 13th of oh, April lovely. 2002. Who got married? Congrats to law and order actor Benjamin Bratt, oh, who right. married actress, model, 
Talisa Soto in San Francisco, California. I don't oh, know if they're still married. Nice ceremony, was it? Wasn't Benjamin Bratt married to uh, Julia Roberts? Julia Roberts. Okay, yeah. so I guess that they, they're not together anymore. Well, no, he's remarried. Yeah. Anyway, well, there was a wedding this Great. time 20 years ago. So um, congrats and I guess did they, condolences. Did they last? Well, did he, when was he married to Julia? Before that or after that? No, no I think that was sure. before that. I don't reckon he's still married. Let's see. Google him. Oh, oh. Is Benjamin Bratt still married? Yes, he is. To Talisa? Yes, he is. Well, there you go. They've got two kids. You're so cynical. They've lived happily ever after. Isn't great. that wonderful? That's great news. I'm glad he got over, Julia. Mm. Yeah. Well done, Ben. Good on you, Ben. And well done to you, Talisa, for yeah. being the mother of his children. That's probably she's probably much more important than that. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. She was she hard, was a Bond girl. She oh, played, was she? Yeah, she played um Lupe Namora in License to Kill and Do you Ka- know who that is? And Katana in Mortal Kombat. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. Yeah, and in Mortal Kombat not Annihilation. So she's got mad skills. Yeah, and then she decided that that's probably the pinnacle of her acting career and she's going to settle down and marry Benjamin Bratt and the have Bratster. kids. Before that, mm. she was married to Costas Mandalore. Who's that? He was an Australian actor and, a f- and he used to play footy as well. He was Greek. So he was in, in Picket Fences. He played Mark Hoffman in the Saw films. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, hmm. you know, she kind of, I guess she upgraded, didn't she? What else Did was she? he in? He was in, uh, oh, he was in Fist of the North Star. God, he was in Virtuosity with Denzel and, and Russell Crowe. Costas Mandalore. Yeah, he's been in some pretty rubbish films, though, like Dino Croc. He played a character in the film <laughs> Dino. Coming to a shark where, week near Costas you. Costas Mandalore's career started off okay. Like, so he was in, uh, he was in Virtuosity, like I said, with Denzel and, and uh, and and uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, he was in The Doors. He played an Italian count in the film The Doors. So I mean, that's a big movie, The Doors. Yeah. Even if it was only a small role, and then it sort of starts to get a bit rubbish. He's in a couple of films like Gangland and The Pledge, small roles in The Pledge, and then he plays a character in the film Dino Croc called Dick Sidney. <laughs> So, yeah, is Dino Croc like a combination dinosaur and crocodile? Yeah, but isn't a croc a dinosaur? Look, ours is, is it, not to reason why. Is it is it a crocodile in the dinosaur age? Uh, I guess. Is it? I don't know. More recently is in that Bruce Willis film, uh, Cosmic Sin, which hmm. was just terrible. He played a character called Marcus Bleck. Black. He's had some interesting character names, hasn't he? He really, he really has. Uh, yeah, Costas Mandalore. Anyway, I don't know how we got off on on that tangent, but uh, well, obviously the Benjamin Bratt yeah. and Talisa, you certainly upgraded there. Well done to you both. Still happily married. Mm-hmm. It's unheard of these days in Hollywood, isn't it? Sure is. Yeah. All right. Enough of Costas Mandalore. <laughs> Although that's a great name for a newsreader. And now it's time for the news with Costas Mandalore. Or I reckon he'd be more weather. No, that'd be Dick Sidney would be the weatherman. <laughs> 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 now it's time for the weather with, with Dick, Dick Sidney. Sydney. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, over to the news, not yes. the weather. The uh, 9th of April 2002 was the funeral for Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, at Westminster Abbey in the UK. It was televised on the BBC Mm. and it went for like something like two or three hours, Mm. so almost as long as the Batman. (laughs) Was there an intermission? Imagine that. Imagine if the hearse had like a grappling hook come out of the front or something like that. We come here to mourn, but also to give thanks, to celebrate the person and her life, both filled with such a rich sense of fun and joy and the music of laughter. With it went an immense vitality that didn't fail her. Hers was a great old age, but not a cramped one. She remained young at heart, and the young themselves sensed that. Quality audio there. Mm. Uh, I always do remember the Queen Mother as being fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, she could have been, I don't know, but you don't know what no, happened she won. She definitely won over the people. There was there was a lot of stuff in the media about how she was real. She had a really high levels of public approval even when there was stuff going on in the royal family well, that people I didn't think, like. I think that's why, because I think there was this yearning for that integrity that the royal family once had and when mm. there was all that stuff happening. And it's kind of happened a bit now as well. Like there's yep. a yearning for that integrity mm-hmm. and that's why Kate and William are so popular that's at the moment. trotting them out. Harry yep. and Meghan are kind of on the outer a little bit. But, yeah, the Queen Mother was, I mean, she had a good innings too. Yeah, 101. So she yeah. she died, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, she died on the 30th of March she was bedridden since I think around late November in 2001. She just had this ongoing cold. Yeah. And then in February she slipped and had injured herself pretty yep. badly. Yeah. And this was around the time her daughter, Princess Margaret, had just passed away, yep. which we also talked about. So she travelled by helicopter to get to the funeral because she was so injured. And I think she was in a wheelchair at the time. And they blacked out the windows of the vehicle that she was in because she didn't want the press taking photos of her. Yeah, yeah. So I think her health deteriorated pretty quickly after that throughout uh, March. And then obviously she died on on the 30th with Queen Elizabeth II at her bedside. Yeah. I mean, you were asking the other week, wasn't it, at 101, when she turned 100, did she get a phone call or a a A letter? A letter. A letter. Yeah, I'd like to think she did. I'd be annoyed if I was her and I didn't. I'd like to think she got something more, like maybe a card with a scratchy in it. Commemorative plates, perhaps? (laughs) Mate, she'd have tons of commemorative plates. Diamond-studded stick pin? That's more sale of the century, but well, you know, we're we're all feeling nostalgic here anyway. So yeah, let's get a stick. So they had over two hundred thousand people come and visit her coffin, I believe, Mm. at Westminster Hall. And they there was like this queue, like a mile mm. long. They had to extend the operating times of Westminster Hall for her and all that sort of stuff. And then when when the funeral actually happened, like, and they televised it on the BBC, there's like a million people, more than mm. a million people, mm. came out and lined the streets for the funeral. There was like ten million watching it on TV. It, and, yeah, it was just huge. Like 9.48 a.m., 9th of April 2002, the tenor bell of Westminster Abbey sounds 101 times for each year that she had been alive. Mm. And then this huge procession with most of the members of the royal family there. Yeah. It was just huge. It was massive. And she's quite interesting. So you mentioned she was pretty popular with the public. But the whole story of her 
with her husband. I love this story and I really only sort of came across it after we watched a movie a couple of years ago. So she was born into British nobility and yep. then she came to prominence when she married the Duke of York, uh-huh. the second son of King George and Queen Mary. Yeah. But then in 1936, her husband unexpectedly becomes king because his older brother, Edward, abdicated so he could marry someone who was divorced. Oh, this is okay. She is married to the king's speech guy. Yeah. (laughs) Georgie. George. George, yeah. 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 So it was really obviously unexpected for him but also for her and all of a sudden she's kind of thrust into the spotlight. Yeah. Um. And then after the war, I think he got really sick and then passed away. She was only 51 at the time. And that's when Lizzie, Elizabeth II, aged just 25, became the new queen. Yeah, don't Lizzie have some respect. It's the queen, my dear. So she's been the queen since she was 25. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Think about when you were 25. Yeah, it was a good time. And, like, being in charge of everything. Well, she doesn't. Can you imagine? She doesn't have to do much. But as the queen, like, show the, up to a few things, speech. But here I would and there. be like, hey, I'm the queen. I can make the rules. I would totally have taken advantage of that. Let's bring back beheading. <laughs> That's what I'd be doing. No, maybe not bring back beheading, but, you know, let's remix Thong Song or something, you know, like, because I can. Let's behead Cisco. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, no, no, no. He... Let's give Cisco a knighthood. Oh, for okay. those class yeah. lyrics, you know, dumps like a truck, truck, truck. <laughs> how did we end up? How I think did I'll we sing it up? again. This is ridiculous. How did okay, we end sorry. up going to the to thong song <laughs> from a conversation about the Queen Mother? Anyway, so the King's Speech, great movie. Watch it. Yes, is probably what I'm trying to say well, there. So Hel- Helena Bonham Carter obviously played her. Yes. That. Yeah. Yes. And, well, that just sheds a whole new light on maybe the kind of person she was mm. as well. Mm. And, I mean, I, I know that The King's Speech is a movie and they probably embellish some oh, of the facts Oh, it was such a beautiful movie, though, and it was stunningly shot. Yeah. Remember that? But just the whole story. Oh, oh she was such a wonderful woman, though. Let's get emotional thinking about it. Yeah. yeah, she was so supportive of him. Yeah. And she was just really likeable and personable, and I imagine that that's what the Queen Mother would have been like. Absolutely. Yeah, so a bit of a sad time, but, you know, 101. Yeah. Amazing. I hope I lived that long. I'm not going to, but I hope I do. (laughs) And I hope you get a diamond-studded stick pin for your efforts. I just want a letter from the Queen. We might not be under the monarchy by then, though. That would be disappointing, wouldn't it? You reckon? Become a republic? I'd probably get a letter from Charles. Oh, Maybe. He, I don't know. Well, he's older than me. I don't know. Mm. I might I get know. a letter from William or Kate. Also, this time 20 years ago, 10th of April, one of your favourite topics, cloning. Oh, back lo- on the agenda. Love me a bit of cloning. Mm, I know you Bring do. it back on the table. I reckon <laughs> we should be cloning people right now. Why not? Just Oh, stop it. Are you Aurelian? Oh, go and collect all those embryos and do whatever you want <laughs> oh. with them. Have your way with the embryos. Make all the clones that you like. This time 20 years ago, President Bush was making a bit of a call, putting forward his stance on human cloning. Yeah, well, he'd done so in his State of the Union address earlier in the year, actually, yeah. and he was like, no, no dice. Like, I think the State of the Union address all became about terrorism and Al-Qaeda and mm. all that sort of stuff, and that's where a lot of the sound bites came from, but this was also in there. A hopeful society has institutions of science and medicine that do not cut ethical corners and that recognize the matchless value of every life. 
Tonight, I ask you to pass legislation to prohibit the most egregious abuses of medical research, human cloning in all its forms, creating or implanting embryos for experiments, creating human-animal hybrids, and buying, selling, or patenting human embryos. Human life is a gift from our Creator, and that gift should never be discarded, devalued, or put up for sale. Yeah. Did he say a human-animal hybrid? That's what I mean. That's that tale you were talking about, right? Like the (laughs) island of Dr. Moreau. I'm just like... Yeah, okay, human life is like all of that stuff, but then like human-animal hybrids, it'd have Whoa. to be the icing on the cake, wouldn't it? Mm, imagine the combinations. Yeah. Part, I'd love some wings. Part man, part That I wouldn't have horse. to pose in front of one of those <laughs> bloody wing walls You'd like for a my set Instagram. Of yeah, then I'd legit have the wings and not have to queue up for five hours in front of those wing walls. Have you seen that? Yeah, the wing walls. There's like some fancy wing wall somewhere and everyone was like, Lined up for hours, purely for aesthetic pers- purposes. Yeah, just a definitely. Photo opportunity, not to definitely. Be able to fly or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I'd have to choose a good bird to have good wings. Anyway, so yes, you're right. This started the year earlier. I think the U.S. House of Reps passed some legislation to ban both reproductive and therapeutic cloning, kind of like their mates over in Canada, which we spoke about recently. Yeah. Uh, But during that time between 2001 and now, the Democrats were drafting legislation that would allow cloning for medical research, but not for producing live clone births. And there was a vote coming up about it in May. So he's just putting forward his opinion at this time. Mm. Um, I've been reading a lot of New Scientist magazine. So I'm really looking forward to the ads that are going to be served up to me on Instagram now that I've been (laughs) reading the scientific journals. Hey, Mel. Would you like this beaker? I was going to say. How about a Bunsen burner? There's a run-out sale on conical (laughs) flasks. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) How about those wings that you wanted? Sure. Um, Yeah, so Bush thought it was like using human beings for spare body parts and basically creating life for convenience. Do you know how how much at 45 I would love to have a new spine? From which animal? And a set of knees. Which animal? Oh, spine. Clone. I don't know. I I feel like, yeah, Mm. there's this whole issue of consciousness and soul and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that that does get creepy where you hear about people who've had transplants and there's some kind of, yeah. It's like that movie, The Eye. Was it The Eye with Jessica Alba? I think it was based on a Japanese horror film where she gets the eye transplant. And then she starts seeing all the the horrific things. No. Yeah. No, that's just. Was it it Idle Hands where the guy's hand, I don't know, he didn't, no, he didn't get a hand transplant. He just, his hand got possessed. Anyway. (laughs) (sighs) There's a lot that could go wrong. So, yeah, that's why Bush is obviously. This this show is just becoming so B grade. (laughs) It's so bad. Yes, welcome to Boona News. It's no longer um, the podcast about ancient history, folks. <laughs> it's a podcast about ancient or, history. Or not but, so but ancient. Over in the States, yeah. they didn't hate a bit of animal cloning, though, because a couple of years ago, I think it was late 2020, yeah. they welcomed Elizabeth Ann into the world. She was a clone of a black-footed ferret. Oh, really? Which was a species. They thought it was extinct, but they did sort of find a few around the places, but they thought it was extinct. So she was a clone of a ferret that had died decades earlier and was part of a captive breeding program. But one of the scientists working on it, I think his name was 
Oliver Ryder. He decided to collect some skin samples mm. and save them, not that's knowing not weird or creepy at how all, he was no. going to use them, but he thought, you know, they oh, might come in handy. That's insane. That's <laughs> Yeah, so then he donates the skin samples and they clone Lizzie. So they're all right with animal cloning. And then this guy, he's got a collection. He still collects cells. He's got a collection that he calls the Frozen Zoo. Right. With samples of over a thousand species. So next time you are scraping the skin off your heels, make sure you know where it goes. <laughs> or you could end up being a clone. Cloned from your heel skin. Yeah. It's, Watch it's, out. It's a bit Jurassic Park, isn't it, really? Yes. Well, this is like, you know how they're trying, they're saying, scientists are saying now that they're really close to bringing back the, the thylacine, the Tasmanian tiger. I was going to say, why don't they use that on the Tassie tiger? Well, I, surely someone's got like a hair strand they, of one and then something. Like, and then like, bugger that. Like, why are we doing human-animal hybrids when we could be doing human-dinosaur hybrids? <laughs> oh, my god! You want wings? Give yourself a set of pterodactyl wings. That actually suit you. <laughs> They probably would, actually. Yeah. That's a bit goth. That's a bit emo, though. I know. Don't you reckon? Yeah, you oh. just come swooping in with your pterodactyl wings. <laughs> <laughs> Annoyed right. about something. Whatever. Okay. Yep. All right. <laughs> Put your skin samples down. Change of pace now. Oh, okay. Right? Serious. Yeah. Yeah. Serious face. Um, 11th of April, some not so nice Oh, yeah, news. this sucks, this story. This is awful. Yeah, uh, on the 11th of April, a natural gas truck fitted with explosives drove past security barriers at the ancient El Gibra? Griba. El Griba. El Griba. Mm-hmm. I am so bad with pronunciation. Yeah, it's, in, we it's, know it's in Tunisia. It's, so El Griba is in Tunisia. It's an island in Tunisia. Uh, and it's like a Jewish community that's in Africa, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this truck comes along. It's a natural gas truck, like you're saying, loaded with explosives. Detonates, kills 14 Mm. German tourists, three Tunisians and two French nationals and then wounds or injures about 30 other people. Mm. Uh, And the funny thing about El Griba, El Griba, yeah, is that um, that synagogue and that community, they used to be like over 100,000 Jewish people that lived around there Mm. in Tunisia and now there's only about 1,500. Really? But they keep coming back there. Tilda Lelouch grew up outside Tunis before emigrating to France in 1972, but she comes back regularly. She's observing an ancient ritual of the Griba's Lagba Omer festival, writing wishes on hard-boiled eggs. One is for a granddaughter getting an operation. Others are for peace and tourism to return to Tunisia. She shows old family photos. One uncle was Tunisia's first Jewish prime minister. It's really emotional coming back here to also see Muslims that we grew up with. They were our neighbors, our family. So that's the other interesting thing is like Jewish and Muslim people like living in perfect harmony there for Mm. for ages. Like Mm -hmm. neighbors all gone on fine. And Jewish people still make a pilgrimage back to that synagogue. I think it's got one of the oldest copies of the Torah in there. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, and but it's also been targeted on numerous occasions, and 11th of April 2002 was one of those occasions. So, that explosion, they called that an accident because, like, obviously the gas truck has just conveniently blown up. Hmm. 
at the synagogue, but it was very clear that it was a deliberate thing. And a 24-year-old man named Nisa bin Muhammad Nasser Nawa was the suicide bomber who carried out the attack with the help from a relative with mm. Al-Qaeda, then stepping up and saying, yep, that was us, they took mm. responsibility for it. Yeah, and then it wasn't until a couple of years later that five people were arrested in Spain, believed to have financed the attack. Yeah. And then in April 2003, a German man named Christian – oh, gosh, you're going to have to say that last name. <laughs> Christian Gensarski. You know how bad I yeah, am with this. Yeah. Christian was arrested in Paris in connection with the bombing. In February 2009, he was sentenced to 18 years in prison for his part. 2009. Yeah, how long does it take, take? a long time. Yes. Yeah. This is what I'm noticing with this news, particularly yeah. around a lot of the, the terrorism-related news, how long it takes from them finding someone and convicting them or arresting them to them actually being sentenced. Mm. It's such a long mm. time. Well, they try and keep them in jail for as long as yeah. they can too, I reckon. Yeah, like, I'm possibly. sure they probably don't make it easy for them during that time. A really horrible incident. Now, between the 11th and 13th of April, another thing happened uh, over in Venezuela Mm. where they attempted a coup d'etat. Do you remember, just before we go on, do you... Sorry. Do you remember a song called Too Young for Promises by someone called Coup d'etat in in the 80s? There was a song, but they spelt it K-O-O. D-E-T-A-H. So every time I hear Cootie Tar, I think they're talking about the song Too Young for Promises. You've just taken me back to 1986 and a song called Too Young for Promises. But I digress. Sorry, back to you. That's out of scope of the show. Sorry, I've shifted (laughs) the goalposts. I will move them back in and go. I feel like the goalposts have been basically, (laughs) I don't know. Ripped up and thrown I want to away. say blown up, but not after that <laughs> no, last story. That doesn't no, doesn't work at all. Uh, anyway, an attempted coup d'état takes place in Venezuela against the president Hugo Chavez. So Chavez thought to make well, – Chavez went out of his way to make a state-run oil company his main source of funds for political projects and replaced oil experts with political allies so that he could get support for this initiative. So it was a little mm. bit corrupt perhaps. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so he replaces the board of directors with all these loyalists who had no experience with oil whatsoever. And he's like mocking the executives as he fires them on TV live. Everyone gets really angry and then there's all this civil unrest and they they basically attempt a coup. So anyone who opposed Chavez comes forward and tries to take take over. So, like, people line the streets. It gets really messy. There's a march going to the presidential palace. 19 people get killed. Over 110 get wounded. He thinks that the best way to stay in power is to implement Plan Avia, which is a military contingency plan where they they try to restore public order. So he rolls in the military and tries to settle everything down, but the officers in the military are like, we ain't going to help you, buddy, because we don't want to have a massacre here. So Mm. they place Chavez under arrest. Mm. And then on the 12th of April, so the next day, a business leader by the name of Pedro Carmona becomes the interim president of Venezuela. Apparently he's declared himself yeah. the interim president. He's yep, like, I'm I'll take that. Now. Sure. Right. Yep. I volunteer myself. It's me. I offer myself as tribute. Yes. Yep. And then he decided to abolish the 1999 constitution. He appointed yep. a governing committee. So he was committed. He yep. was in it. Yeah. Uh, but there was a lot of protest in support of Chavez and insufficient yeah. support for it's, him and his 
governing committee. So he then resigns on the 13th of April. So yeah, the next like day. Yeah. And then, and then the day after, Chavez is like, I'm back. <laughs> and he comes in. Guess who's back? Do you know what, though? Back there's, again. There's this really cool documentary channel on YouTube called Journeyman Pictures. And they basically alleged they've got this documentary called Anatomy of a Coup and they alleged mm. that this whole thing was actually staged by the U- or orchestrated by the US government. But this was not a spontaneous uprising. There is abundant evidence that the coup had been carefully scripted from the start, that an alliance of powerful business and military interests had collaborated to unseat Venezuela's elected president. So like take from that what you mm. will go and check it out it's just another angle on the whole thing that is very interesting yeah uh and well cuz that boiled down to the fact that there was just going to be no democracy in venezuela it was mm. it was all going a bit crazy but in in 98 when chavez came to power he had three goals and that was to convene a constituent assembly to write a new constitution which is the one that they abolished at the coup to fight against social exclusion and poverty and eliminate government corruption. I mean, it sounds Ooh. like election promises. He's just campaigning. Eliminate He's a politician, Government right? corruption. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. But I think the people wanted him in there because they yeah. had another election in 2006. Oh, he, was, he was a man of the people. And he was elected again. Yes. And yep. I think he got something like 63% of the vote and then went on to win his fourth election in 2012. See, with 63% of the vote, I probably wouldn't go and see him on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, I'd just be like, nah, I'm not going to show up. <laughs> it's a C. I'll wait till he comes out on DVD. <laughs> yeah. And he continued in the role until his death in 2013. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those reigns that's shrouded in conspiracy and controversy and and it, that's yeah that's why i reckon it's cool like if you if you look up hugo chavez there's like all sorts of stories from all sorts of sides and if you were pedro i'd be taking that off the linkedin profile well, one day 24 hours in a gig how mm. good would his campaign have been if it was to go to election though like vote for pedro <laughs> Let's get away from the serious stuff that we didn't take all that seriously and I feel kind of guilty about. And well, probably, talk- yeah, probably shouldn't mock the news. Really? I just feel like it's you've got to kind of add a bit of light to the shade and the news is always pretty shady. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right, production meeting over. Yeah, Let's get on right. with the music. Okay. Uh, similar to the box office, actually. Right. Number one's pretty consistent with the previous week. So we've still got Not Pretty Enough by Casey Chambers, number so, one see, in maybe Australia. maybe Pedro had to use that for his <laughs> campaign music as Not well. Not Pretty Enough. Yeah. Well, it helps get dogs adopted. <laughs> say, yeah, it work, yeah, it worked for that. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, number one in the UK, Unchained Melody, again, by Gareth Gates. And number one in the US, Ain't It Funny. Oh, yeah. But, look, let's instead take a look at a great tune on the Billboard 100 this time 20 years ago. It only made it to number five. And I don't understand why. Just we are desperate this week, aren't we? It peaked at number five, but I'm going to blame Jeff and crew because – Ja Rule, you're going to blame yeah, Ja Rule. I'm going to blame Why? Ja Rule because all of his songs and a, and a Shantae, J-Lo, Fat Joe, there was something going on. 
maybe there was something a little corrupt going on. No, I'm not saying that. Oh, corrupt. They were a great hip hop group. Corrupt. He was a rapper. Oh, was he? He right, was right. from the Dog Pound with uh, Daz, right. who is the cousin of Snoop. Right. I've taken you down a road that you I have. don't want to follow you on now. So no? let's go okay. back to the let's what's bring this me number back. five thing. What is it? NSYNC, girlfriend. Yeah, personal shrink, boo. I care what you think. I'm all the Billy and Pink, cause my dough in sync. So tell your man, bye bye, and tell him you're long. Oh. Ain't no need waiting up. You didn't find you another. Oh. I don't know why you care. Why you thinking about it? That ah, is a great song. That's Nelly. That's not NSYNC. Nelly. It is NSYNC. So it, it was the third and final single from their album Celebrity and it was their last song to enter the top ten of the Billboard Hot 100. So I feel like we should be able to talk about it. It sounds like the like death knell. Burnt. The death knell for NSYNC because I'm hearing Timberlake in there as well. A lot of Timberlake. Like echoes of what his newest Tim- or what the stuff he's going to do sounds like. Interesting you say that, yes. Yeah. And Timberlake did write this song, but this is not the album version that was meant to be released. They're ready to release the album version. Then two weeks out, they're like, whoa, hold up. We're going to do something different. And the Neptunes remixed the song. Ooh, and they chucked the Neptunes in there too. Yes. Yeah. They chucked Nelly onto the track as well. That's career suicide so, for Nelly, isn't it? Well, that's what his label said. Nelly, yeah. don't do it. Don't do yeah, it. See? Are you Look, trying to ruin your career? Listen to me. I'm, mate. No. I know what I'm talking about. No. Right. Nellyville came out after that. Oh, okay. Maybe hot I and don't. her. Uh, hot and her. Yeah. Dilemma. Yeah. The texting on the XL. Oh. Um, and work it with JT. Oh, there you so go. So they've signed some sort of deal while they were doing Girlfriend. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it didn't ruin Nelly's career. It was more like the beginning of the end for NSYNC because it was a new sound for NSYNC, but then when you think about JT's first album, Justified, kind of sounds a bit similar to Well, there's, there's solo definitely stuff. bits and pieces in there. Did the Neptunes yep. have anything to do with that album, with Justified? I think they um, maybe. did. I feel like they wrote a bunch of songs for Michael Jackson and then Justin took them on. Don't quote me on that, but I feel like there was some kind of – Something rubbed off. Some kind of connection, and it was very MJ as well, thinking back. Well, I, I just think that the reason why NSYNC – didn't go much further after this is because of the aspirations of one Lance Bass. <laughs> Finally this morning, one in sync band member is one step closer to saying bye-bye-bye to planet Earth. The final deal hasn't been signed yet, but the Russians have named Lance Bass as a member of the third person, three-person crew headed to the space station in October. <laughs> Stephanie, he's too young for you. I didn't say Russia's approval is a significant step towards sending the 23-year-old pop star into orbit. The trip will cost Bass $20 million to join the crew. Well, I guess they've got the $20 million, huh? He and not his, his money. Do. That's right. <laughs> How's the news copy to say bye-bye-bye from Planet Earth? That was but, good. I oh, liked that. It's gold. It's gold. That was but a good pun. I like the cynicism from the guy at the end. He's like... $20 million he's had to pay them. He's basically bankrolling their space program at this stage. <laughs> well, it started back in February of 2002. He was contacted by Lena Banks. Yeah. Lena was trying to do a project called The Youngest Person in Space and apparently an NSYNC fan who'd been hanging out on the online forums had heard that Lance was into space travel and this fan's mum Worked with Lena. And he sold like, the sold the hey information mom, to the Russians. Hey Lena, Lance Romensink loves a bit of space action. Uh, you want to go to space? Maybe 20 give million him a buzz. Dollars. 
And so it was originally going to be a competition with a bunch of contestants training to win a spot on this Russian space capsule. But then they worked out they could get $20 million out of Lance They found Lance. Well, it wasn't money from Lance. The idea was that they would instead shoot a documentary of him training and getting ready to go into space and they'd sell it to a network. Or Pepsi or something, right? Yeah, Yeah. or like MTV to to sponsor it. right. And that's how they'd fund it. So in space. Exactly. How good. He had to go through physicals, which may have ended up saving his life because they discovered he had an issue with his heart as part of the physicals and ended up having to have an operation to correct it. Yeah. He did several months of training, got his cosmonaut certification, and then went to Houston's Johnson Space Center for his astronaut training. Right. So certified cosmonaut, certified astronaut, that's a lot of effort. Yeah. He was scheduled to fly into space on a mission that was going to be launched in October. Mm. And it was going to fly to the International Space Station and then land in a desert in Kazakhstan. Oh. Mm. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> Several months before he was scheduled to fly. So he's done all this training. Yeah. He's found out about his dodgy heart and he's yeah. fixing that up. Yeah. The original deal to air the documentary fell through. They then, they actually did hit up MTV. There you go. They hit up MTV who thought, okay, we we're going to sponsor it. Then they backed out over the insurance and indemnification They could issues. have done like the real world International Space Station. <laughs> yeah, we're up here with Lance. He's a, he's a bastard. He used all the toilet and he eat all the space food sticks. And he brought I way clearly, too much hair gel and it's weighing our ship down. I clearly write my name, Yuri, on the space food stick. Lance going to the fridge, help himself. <laughs> And then his other sponsorships fell through, including one who pulled out because they were worried about the image of their brand being tarnished if he was to die on the mission. How morbid's that? Well, you know, it's, I mean, he's Russian space. Have you ever, like, Russian Airlines, Aeroflot? I just picture Lance Bass in a space capsule, like, next to a couple of chicken crates. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? feel bad for the guy. Yeah. Certified yeah, well, cosmonaut, certified astronaut. That's a lot of effort. It is, and his dreams have been completely shattered. All this effort he's gone to, and then at the last minute, nah, mate, we're worried you're going to die and it will be bad for our brand. Well, I mean, can't he just, I mean, there's, it's still, the option's there nowadays, surely. Can't he just sidle up with, like, Jeff Bezos and ride his giant dildo well, up is, into space? Or? This is a good point. Maybe he should yeah. look into that again because it might be easier this time around. Virgin Galactic, go and talk to Branson. So he know? was replaced by some Russian cosmonauts in the end. Uh, so Probably for the best, really. Yuri, Sergi, um, oh, and Frank from Belgium. Yeah, he, he was left to tend to the chickens. Well, yeah. <laughs> So there ends Lance's dream. Right. Can we talk about albums? Can we talk about some stuff that I might like? Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, So the album Hammered by Motorhead comes out on the 9th of April. This is their 16th album. I love. Jeez. Love Motorhead so much. The drummer Mickey D says the album, which is a bit darker, Mm. was sort of influenced by 9-11 attacks. And they flew to LA on the 10th of September and wrote the album. Gosh. Uh, uh, like and and over a month within the aftermath of 9/11. So they're on September 10 in LA in the states. September 11 happens Jeez. and they're writing this album. So Lemmy, Lemmy, bass player, God, 
<laughs> lead singer of Motorhead, says that he's kind of ambivalent about the album. He's like, there's some good tracks on there and there's some crap on it as well. <laughs> Keeping but, it real. But one of the songs on there that, like, everyone would know, which is pretty much made famous by Triple H on the wrestling because it was his theme song. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> I just want to rip my shirt off and spit water up in the air and oh, flex. And don't I, you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Rip your chesty bonds off. Yeah. So, Throw it into the crowd. Yeah. That was it's actually, I think it was written by a WWE composer, though, as the entrance theme for Triple H, and then Motorhead just kind of performed it. Mm. But they, they came out at WrestleMania 21 and performed it live and all that sort of stuff. The thing that I just love about Motorhead that just makes them endure beyond anything else is, is Lemmy. I mean, as as sad as it is that Lemmy has passed away, he is just the biggest legend ever in music. Mm. This mm. is a guy, you should read his autobiography, White Line Fever. It's fantastic. This is a guy who started out as a roadie for like Jimi Hendrix and various other people, went and played bass in a band called Hawkwind, mm-hmm. got kicked out of Hawkwind for doing too many of the wrong drugs. Started up Motorhead and just, I mean, he's a living legend. And the thing about Lemmy is he's always been really wise, but he's always been really funny. Like, he's, he's, not, he's not one to shy away from a joke. How do you sell a death guy a frog? Do you want to buy a frog? What did he say? How do you sell a death guy a frog? Do you want to buy a frog? Oh, right. Yeah, not one <laughs> not one to shy away from a dab joke, but he was also really wise and I loved Lemmy in interviews because he didn't really, like he was always polite and stuff, but he never really cared about what people thought of him. He's one of those people that was such a legend because he didn't really give a damn well, about Well, that's what, what he was saying about thought. the album. Yeah, but yeah. there's some crap on it, whatever. He, he just doesn't care. And like, so there's... There's so many amazing quotes from him. Lemmy, we're always told that heavy metal is meant to be progressing and developing. It seemed to me that they're all pretty much the same sort of subject matter. Is uh... Yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, actually heavy metal, the great strength of heavy metal is that it doesn't progress, actually. That's a strength, is it? Yeah. Why is that a strength? Because people keep enjoying it the way it is. Yeah, get that up, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's just like he doesn't muck around. He doesn't mince words. I always remember when we went to the States for our honeymoon and we were in L.A. Yeah. And there was one particular place where you just absolutely had to go. Yeah, the rainbow. Yeah. I, I just completely lost it when I went there. I and, remember. You were so emotional. And I just wish I wish he had been there, but he wasn't. And um, But, but I, it, there was a very real chance that he could have. Well, he lived just around yeah. the corner. And he used to sit there all day and drink Jack Daniels and smoke cigarettes and play the fruit machine. And there was a fruit machine that they yes. had up on the bar and a seat that was his particular seat. And even it was funny because the night that we went in there, the venue was absolutely packed, mm. packed to the brim. And we walk into the rainbow and I'm like, oh, my God, like mm. I'm in the rainbow. And it's nothing special. Like it's a it's a pretty dingy kind mm. of joint. It's not dingy, like it's clean and stuff, but it's an old building and it's yeah. got booths and they serve big pizzas and stuff. And anyone who's everyone who's still obsessed with 80s metal and rock and roll is all like dressed up and kind of posing there. And there's photos on the wall of famous people everywhere. And it's like, oh my God, like I'm in the rainbow. I can't believe yeah. that I'm in the same bar that I used to read about in books and magazines. 
like when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. and I and the place is packed. And I look over at the bar. I'm about to order a drink for both of us. And I'm like, well, it's going to be Jack Daniels and Coke. You know, it's like. Mm. And uh, and the fruit machine's there, and Lemmy seats there. And in spite of the place being absolutely packed, no one is sitting in it. Yeah, like it's just free. That. It's just like reserved for him, and no one will go in there. And there's so many photos of him. And when he yeah. died, they commissioned a statue, and now there's a statue of him outside the place. And oh, is there? Yeah, and uh, I yeah, I mean, I just he's just awesome. I just love the guy. He he was a really humble guy up until the day he died. He lived in a really small apartment and he just liked to tour and tour and tour and just live the rock and roll lifestyle all the way to the mm. bitter end. Mm. And uh, they, there's never going to be anyone like him ever again. They will never make another Lemmy and there will never be another person like that again. Like all of these icons are, are slowly disappearing and who yeah. are they being replaced by? The Goo Goo Dolls? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it's game over. Yes, that was another release on the same day. In fact, the 9th of April two thousand and two, Gutterflower. Yeah. I know what I would have been going to the record store to get, and it's not Gutterflower. No, this is the seventh studio album by the Goo Goo Dolls. It's the follow up to their albums Dizzy Up the Girl and A Boy Named Goo. This album was commercially successful. It got to number four. I'm trying to think of what song was the biggest one from this album. I think there was one called Here Is Gone. I'm not the one who broke you. I'm not the one you should fear. We got to move you, darling. I thought I lost you somewhere, but you were never really. I know, like, a lot of people would probably say the same thing about Motorhead. <laughs> That all sounds the same to me. Like the Goo Goo Dolls <laughs> just sound like one song. But that's not the one I remember them for. I think the one I remember them for was from their previous album, Dizzy Up the Girl. Well, that's because they played it on the radio like all the time and they still do. Put your arms around me. What you feel is what you want. What you want is They haven't. So that was Slide. Oh, and they had that other one, Iris. Oh, I don't yeah. want the world to suffer. Oh, that one. I don't yeah. think that they'd understand. Yeah, Everything's like made the, to be broken. Like kind of that waltzy so thing. Want you to that's know, a, that, yeah. And that's why we don't do karaoke anymore, Mel. Well done. <laughs> I wasn't trying, okay? You know when, like, if you're doing karaoke and you're amongst it and you want to get a high score, you try. I'm not yeah. trying. Like when you're just reciting lyrics, you do it in a stupid voice because you don't want people to think that you're trying. Yeah. That's not me trying. I if thought, I was trying, it would be much better. I thought you were mumble rapping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was that? What was that style of rap? Mumble was rap? there slurring? Was it slurring? Was it I think it was called slurring. I don't know. Um, around that time. You are anyway. asking the wrong guy. <laughs> Maybe it was crumping? No, that's a dance move. Um, anyway, yes, Goo Goo Dolls. So I, yeah, I don't really remember any singles off of that particular album. Um, but, you know, they've done 13 studio albums. They've even had a Christmas album in amongst well, that. They're, they're radio darlings. They a did a Christmas of, album. They did a Christmas album. Uh, How boring would that be, just quietly? Um, but they've won Billboard Music Awards. They were nominated for Grammys. In June last year, the lead singer, John, he revealed that they're working on their 14th studio album due to be released sometime this year. So... 
yeah. keep an eye out. All I'm saying Do is yourself a favour. Back in 2002, Motorhead released their 16th studio album and they weren't <laughs> done by a long shot. That's <laughs> d- so, you know, you've got a lot of work to do, Goo Goo Dolls, if you want to keep up with the mighty Motorhead. Well, they've said for this particular album they're approaching it in an alternative way. All right. Um, but specifically they're using earlier forms of production which they used prior to the digital era in the music industry. Well, like cheap so ones because they can't afford take it. what you will from that. Could uh, be interesting. Look, uh, you know, actually that's that's a bit cruel. Analog production is kind of great. Yeah. Like I'm putting stuff on see. tape is kind of great. It's warm. You get a little bit of background hiss there. It's uh, And it, it, there's a little bit of oh, more precision. To it as well. Yes, that does my head in. Yeah, there's a little bit more precision, I think, to recording to analog tape because you Mm. have to do things like drop ins and pickups and stuff like that. And bulk erases. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When you make a mistake, get a massive headache. (laughs) So many risks. There is a lot to it. Yeah, there would be. You watch like documentaries of when they recorded the Black Album with Metallica and there's like rooms and rooms full of. Analog tapes and these these poor production assistants like mucking around with razor. I was going to say, is that where they splice it and, and stick it together? Yeah, yeah it's it's Gosh, yeah. crazy times. I mean, I'm not too sure. Like multi track splicing is is a little bit beyond me, but um, just the science of doing drop ins and all that sort of stuff and trying to trying to time everything perfectly mm. and realizing that you know takes become more valuable and things like that. There's more at stake when you record to analog tape because you're not taking for granted the fact that you can just like hit control Z and mm. undo something you've done. Yes, imagine if you splice yeah. it in the wrong spot. Exactly. And you drop a bit of tape. So do you, when you splice the tape, do you stick it back together with sticky tape effectively? It's not sticky tape. There's a special splicing tape that you have. But it's so, a similar thing to sticky tape. When I used to record the John Law's voiceovers, you would have to cut and splice. Did you have to splice you would have to You would have to splice those into commercials or you'd have to splice out any mistakes that he made Wow! and then join it up with tape. So there's the added thing of like if you, if you don't press record, Laws, he's going to swear at you. If you splice the tape mm. wrong, Yes, and you can't you can't undo that. You can't stick it back together and make it sound okay. Like you need to pick the exact point that you are going to splice it. And when you use a splicing block, it's usually on like a forty five degree angle, something like that. Oh like you have a gosh. you know like um like a miter box when you saw timber. Yeah. So on the old reel to reel tape, decks, I do remember the big yeah the re- big decks, and then it would roll across a little. Yeah, underneath. and that little thing underneath yes. had a thing that would flip out and your splicing yes, block would be on that. that and you could go straight across like, you know, at 90 degrees or at 45 either side mm. and then splice the tape together. And it's uh, there was a bit of science to it and there was a whole lot of luck to it as But well. also think about the, the sticky tape equivalent as well. Like how annoying is sticky tape? Think about wrapping a present and how you get the tape stuck everywhere. Yeah, it's not it's a different kind of adhesive to sticky but, tape. Like but, but But trying to get that lined up and stick it on. I properly. actually loved it. I got really good at it. And it, I found it quite therapeutic. I really enjoyed splicing. That could voice be a tracks. good reality show. Well, because like what, splice box. Because what you'd have to do is slice up your life. <laughs> You like you could go head to head with other tape splices and put together Metallica's new album. Oh, oh my God, that'd be that a would. How's that? I'm going to sell that idea. Not to with Lars Ulrich's drumming, no thanks. Uh, but like, <laughs> you, like, so you'd have to. You'd also have to roll the tape across the playhead. 
So like I the remember wave that. Be yes, and you'd be going you forwards and backwards. So you'd be looking for the breath, mm. and you'd try and remove breaths or bad words and put bleeps in and stuff like that, like all sorts of stuff. Like you know, censoring censoring swearing was always fun. You know, because you you want to get enough of it so you know it's a swear word, but you also want to get enough of it so you bleep it out, which is really easy to do digitally, but uh, very difficult to do. I'm sorry, I'm geeking out. But yeah. Analog. Well, maybe that's what the Goo Goo Dolls are All right, doing. Goo Goo Dolls. So maybe that could be the reality show. You could splice up their new album. Well, look, I might not be a fan of their music, but I do have to admire them yes. for going going old a bit school. More old school, and like, why not? I mean, vinyls in now, you know. Yeah. Analog recording. I reckon Where, cassettes. I reckon cassettes are going to become cool again. I've still got Never Ending Story on cassette. But it's that's well. I see, need to find something to play it on. Never Ending Story. You know it. Well. Well, the, that probably is worth money because remember on what was that show? The one with Winona Ryder. Stranger Things. Remember the guy in the second season was singing Never Ending Story with the girl that they thought oh, wasn't his girlfriend, yeah. and he was playing it on cassette. Yeah. I should have capitalised I mean, at that point and sold it. It was probably uh, worth money. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes, and I've got Comedy Company as well. It's best bits. On uh, cassettes. Yeah, I'm sure that's worth I'm sure you've got heaps of things on cassette. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well I just, maybe you can splice them up for I me. just think like analog. the other thing with analogue recording though is the studio, it, they're much, they're bigger. Like the gear is mm. bigger. It's like computers back in the day, like mm. computers were way bigger. So you've got to fit more gear in and stuff, which means that you've got to spend more money on the space that you hire. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a pretty ambitious thing. I mean, mm. maybe the gear's a lot cheaper these days. I don't know. Like, it's probably been decommissioned. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm still geeking out over it. I actually think, hey, Goo Goo Dolls, maybe I was a bit too harsh, and yeah. that's kind of a cool idea. I think it is too. be yeah. interesting to see how it turns out. Why don't you? And maybe they could do a new version of Slide and call it Splice. Why don't you splice? Why don't you splice? Yeah. There you go. I like it. Perfect. Are we done? Almost. There is one more. Oh, I'm dreading. I am actually dreading this. I'm really dreading this this week. I'm really dreading this because I get these movies and I don't really know what they are because I didn't watch a lot of movies. And then by the time we get to the end of the show, I've forgotten what movie it is. Okay. So just give me a second. Can I play the clue? No, just give me a second first. Well, I... uh, Okay, I know what it is now. Okay, you ready? I remember. All right. I have something to say to you. Please. I love you. Lee, you should not be here. I love you. I... I have no idea. You're tapping out? Hang on. I have something to say to you. Please. I love you. Lee, you should not be here. Lee, you should not be here. Really listen to the girl's voice. You should know who the girl is. I have something to say to you. Please. I love you. Lee, you should not be here. I love you. So the female voice caught up in a controversy recently involving... A singer and this person's bro. Okay, Taylor Swift. We talk about Jake Gyllenhaal, sister Maggie Gyllenhaal. That voice is her. The movie that she was big in at that. Oh, like I, I've seen it too. You know, I've seen it. I should remember it. It's that is not like an iconic line from that film, though. In my defense, 
Well, I don't know. I didn't Google iconic line from said movie. It's just what like movie is it? Secretary. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Kinky. Do you want to watch it later? Is it? <laughs> it's very kinky. So is she the secretary? She's the secretary who's basically getting and so it on with the And so is she saying that she, it was at the boss that she was saying it, she loved? Yeah, there's a lot of spanking in it and stuff. Really? It's a little bit of S&M. Okay. Yeah, just some, Maggie. Little, just some light S&M. I did not expect that from Maggie. She mm. seems so clean cut. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe uh, not. No. Well, she probably is. I mean, she's an actor. You yes. Know, she was acting. Well, yeah, I know, but I, d- I just didn't picture her in a role like that, I guess, is well, what I'm saying. Yeah, it was it was quite a, quite a titillating film. So did you see it more than once, perhaps? No. <laughs> no, I didn't see it once. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I mean, I didn't see it more than once. I did see it once and that was enough for me, thank you. It's not one of those repeat films. It's not like, oh, that was so good. It was especially awesome in the car chase where he was spanking her. <laughs> like it just, that, that didn't happen. Yeah, it was okay. Well, congratulations. You're still on your winning streak. I feel like it. I feel like, um, yeah, I, I, it's only a matter of time. Like mm. it really is. So do I need to Google when I'm looking up the bits of the movies, do I need to actually look up famous quotes well, you from need said to, movie? I guess like kind of like, you know, okay. like, like Merle Swing Away is a really famous line in science that you use. Well, see, I don't know. I just Google it and I just grab whatever pops up on YouTube. Yeah, like the okay. the, the Walk to Remember one was a Maybe bit, I need yeah. to get the grabs out of the trailer because that would be an iconic – line from a movie if it's in the trailer. Potentially. Or is that too easy? Potentially. Or just a pivotal moment in the film. Mm. Like I guess okay. that is – well, that's a pivotal moment when she says she loves him. I yeah, guess. well, that seems pretty important to me. Yeah, maybe I'm just not as good at this as what I thought. No, I still Do you ever it. have that feeling? Like every day. We all do, don't we? We've all <laughs> no, been there. no really? not really. Oh, you're just confident <laughs> with a capital C. I am, and I will reiterate that that wasn't my normal singing earlier too. <laughs> That's how confident you are. <laughs> sure. Okay. Come on, super sing star over here. I'm confident that we're done. Uh, yes, oh, yes, sorry. I think we are. I think we are. Look, you know, after exploring cloning and coup d'etats and Cisco's, I think it's time to I can't to believe go. Cisco wasn't even supposed to be in the show. Look, he randomly pops up in my brain from uh, time to time, so it's only fair that I share. Dumps like a truck. Truck, uh, truck. We're, we're going to dump like a truck and get out of here. That's not even a thing. I've just – anyway, come and see us on the socials and you can take us to task on how stupid I've been in this podcast this week. Uh, and, you know, give us a message. If you want to be part of the show, you are more than welcome to. I can't stress that enough. Mm, yes, T-minus 20 podcast on Instagram and the Facebook. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to chuck us a rating and review on Oh, don't the do that. No, Spotify, no, 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 no. No, maybe not no, after no, this episode. No, no. no. I feel not like we've got – I just No, I feel like we've got publicity. Like, you know, I was on the ABC. Yes, uh, and that didn't end up on Media Watch. Thank God. So that was good. Uh, and You know what? I was nervous. Were you? Yeah. I, I guess like, it's really different when you're the one being interviewed because you're not, so used to being the interviewer it's like all as my, opposed to the interviewee. Yeah, I started like all my – Crutch words started to come back, and you know, I yeah, I was in, it took me. Nah, you're amazing. You're amazing. You just saying that. You were next time. You can do it. Uh, <laughs> we'll hear. We'll be here next week, and we'll continue to do it as long as you keep listening. Thank you very much. Yes, or until we get cancelled. 
Really? It's never going to happen. It's a podcast. <laughs> People put this crap out all the time. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. We love you. We need you in our lives. Bye. See you. And that concludes another week that was 20 years ago. Join us again next time for more not-so-ancient history on T-20. In the meantime, come and reminisce over on Facebook and Instagram. Search for T-20 Podcast. Okay.